Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, friends and neighbors. You're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 62, Sleep Central. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. What issues are most central to getting a good night's sleep? In this week's episode, we'll break down the latest research on what lies at the core of feeling well-rested. Back in episode 50, I outlined this notion of sleep health, what it is, what it includes, ways we measure it. The National Sleep Foundation uses the Sleep Health Index, which includes indices for sleep quality, sleep duration, and disordered sleep. So overall, the NSF's tool for looking at sleep health is concerned with an individual satisfaction with sleep, insomnia, sleepiness time in bed, the difference between actual sleep duration from perceived need, differences in sleep from weekdays to weekends, and any medicalization of sleep. In that episode, we also explored the American Academy of Sleep Medicine's conceptualization of sleep health, which includes duration, timing, regularity, sleep disorders, and quality of sleep. With either set of criteria, we see that any single aspect alone is not adequate for sleep health. For instance, Two hours a day of high-quality sleep will not leave you feeling very rested, as discussed in episode 55. Or getting 10 hours of fractured light sleep will probably still have you dozing unintentionally after lunch because of how low quality it is, despite the excessive duration. Or for those of you who aren't shift workers, trying to time your sleep for 9 or 10 in the morning will keep you frustrated and awake more than you'd like, as we saw in episode 55. Or sleeping until noon on your days off and then trying to wake up at 6 a.m. on workdays, that irregularity of sleep opportunities will leave you wanting, even if the duration is the same, as we explored in episodes 22 and 23. And from all the way back in episode 1, to episode 34 and restless legs, to episodes 40, 44, 53, and 61 discussing sleep apnea, sleep disorders can wreak havoc on your sleep health. So when a bunch of sleep nerds, my kind of people, get together in a room to hash out what counts towards sleep health, There are many objective measures, like duration, timing, regularity, presence of sleep disorders, and even sleep quality, and some subjective measures as well. A recent paper from a team in France published in Sleep Epidemiology in December of 2021 took a different approach. Using purely subjective measures, they wanted to get at what was at the core for sleep health, what was central to an individual's experience of healthy sleep. They utilized a technique called network analysis. The specifics are way over my head, but what it boils down to is analogous to a social network, with each person representing a node in the network and any relationship between two individuals represented by a line connecting between the two nodes. 
It ends up looking like a weird, twisted spider web, with the people in the middle having the most social connections, radiating out in all directions. They are the life of the party, the girl who knows anybody who's anybody, the social butterflies. A little further out are those with several social ties to the others in the group, but not quite as much as the most popular in the dense middle. Then, out in the periphery are those who are connected to the group by a select few relationships. Then there are the rare lone wolf, even further out from the center, with no direct ties to anyone else in the network. Rather than evaluating social relationships, the authors of this study last month were trying to understand the relationship between different sleep complaints, with each node representing a separate sleep issue someone could experience with their sleep, looking to see how frequently those issues were expressed by each person. If someone who experienced X almost always also experienced Y, then there is a strong relationship between X and Y. If someone experiencing Y almost never experiences Z, then there is no connection between Y and Z. To get a better sense, the visualization of these networks, please check out the show notes for this episode at wellrestedmd.com. They remind me a lot of the work of Dr. Nicholas Christakis, a physician and social scientist, now the director of the Human Nature Lab at Yale University, who uses network analysis to study social phenomena from ideas to culture to physiology. So what did this group of French researchers actually do to get this funny-looking web of nodes and connections? They had data from just under 36,000 individuals over the age of 18 who had visited a French website called Rousseau Morphée, a nonprofit set up by the French Regional Public Health Authority, where visitors can find information about sleep disorders, sleep disturbances, and sleep behaviors. Visitors who accessed the website were asked if they would like to participate in the project. So this is a self-selected group of individuals who are seeking out help for their sleep, not quite a general population study of healthy individuals, but important nonetheless. In addition to answering some demographic questions and validated scales on sleepiness, insomnia, anxiety, and depressive symptoms, the crux of the project was a set of 39 questions about sleep and sleep complaints. In these show notes, you can find a link to the entire set of questions they were asked, but they included items about hypersomnia symptoms, insomnia symptoms, sleep apnea symptoms, movement symptoms, sleep disturbances, sleep behaviors, and more. The most frequently endorsed complaint was awakening difficulties by just over 6% of the respondents, and the least endorsed were the comorbidities of psychiatric disorders, cardiovascular disorders, and diabetes, endorsed by fewer than half of 1% of respondents. All of these symptoms and their relationships were then plotted and analyzed. So, what did it show? The most commonly reported symptoms were related to insomnia, trouble waking up, trouble maintaining sleep, and waking prematurely. However, the most central symptoms, the ones better connected to all other symptoms, even though they weren't the most frequent overall, one hypersomnia variable of excessive daytime sleepiness, one sleep disturbance variable, non-restorative sleep, and two sleep behavior variables, circadian irregularity and chronic sleep deprivation. Their centrality means that it's hard to understand sleep health by looking at complaints in a vacuum, and that just a few sleep issues are key to understanding the rest of the complaints. So let's dive in a little more. Excessive daytime sleepiness. We discussed this back in episode one. Why do I feel so tired? Why do I feel sleepy? This analysis validates what we discussed back then, that daytime sleepiness can be a reflection of any one of several different problems. That's why it's so central. The two obvious sources are quantity and quality of sleep. If you don't achieve enough duration of sleep, you will feel sleepy when you are awake. If your sleep quality is laughable, you will feel sleepy when you are awake, regardless of the quantity. Quantity of sleep can be impacted by your timing and regularity of scheduled sleep. 
Quality can be impacted by your timing and regularity of sleep, as well as recent daytime activity, exposure to substances like caffeine, nicotine, and alcohol, and exposure to screens and other sources of light. The network analysis showed that excessive daytime sleeping was strongly related to napping. Unsurprising, since if you are excessively sleepy, you are likely to doze. It was also strongly associated with satisfaction with wakefulness, kind of the polar opposite of wake time sleepiness. It was strongly associated with falling asleep while driving. It was also associated with snoring and non-restorative sleep, and depression and chronic sleep deprivation. The next, the concept of non-restorative sleep, can be a little confusing to researchers. It's defined as a subjective feeling of being unrefreshed upon awakening, but it is no longer included in the criteria used to diagnose insomnia, and it does not have a uniform definition, a known cause, or validated way to measure or treat it. Nonetheless, since the study is based on purely subjective questions, it fits right in. In the network analysis, non-restorative sleep was associated with insomnia symptoms, including onset insomnia and insomnia with premature awakening. It was strongly associated with awakening difficulties, wakefulness satisfaction, and excessive daytime sleepiness. Non-restorative sleep was associated with poor sleep hygiene habits like tobacco use, chronic sleep deprivation, and not respecting one's sleep need, and problematic late-night light exposure, including the use of screens for more than an hour prior to bed and use of smartphones right before bed. Non-restorative sleep was also associated with issues of circadian health, including social jet lag and chronic circadian irregularity. This ties into the final central variables for sleep health identified in this network analysis, the sleep behaviors of circadian irregularity and chronic sleep deprivation. We've discussed the centrality of circadian wellness repeatedly, including back in episodes 11, 12, and 13, episodes 22 and 23, and most recently in episodes 58 and 60. While there is undoubtedly a genetic component, several of the body's internal clock genes have been identified and characterized for years now, we all still have a great deal of volitional control here. What time do we start and end our day, the bookends of sleep? And all the zeitgebers, the time givers, when do we experience them, such as eating, light exposure, physical activity, social engagement? The network analysis shows that circadian irregularity is associated with several other complaints, including non-restorative sleep, excessive daytime sleepiness, and chronic sleep deprivation, as we've already heard. Circadian irregularity is also strongly linked with other sleep hygiene behaviors, such as using the sleep-killing stimulant of tobacco, not getting enough physical activity, not providing oneself sufficient time to sleep, and use of screens extensively right before sleep attempt. And the last association of circadian irregularity is its poster child, and should be of no surprise as discussed in episode 23, social jet lag. And chronic sleep deprivation can certainly be influenced by sleep disorders that prevent completion of adequate sleep. It is most often the result of inadequate sleep opportunity, intentionally going to sleep too late and intentionally waking up too early to even get the chance of adequate sleep, regardless of the sleep quality itself. So a few of these strongly associated sleep issues are of no surprise here. Short sleep opportunity, inversely associated with long sleep need, and lack of respect for sleep needs. All these practically the definition of intentional chronic sleep deprivation. Poor sleep hygiene issues are strongly associated once again, especially excessive screen use for more than an hour prior to sleep and use of the smartphone in bed. And like the other central sleep problems, chronic sleep deprivation is highly associated with the other central sleep issues, including chronic circadian irregularity, not to mention social jet lag, as well as excessive daytime sleepiness. So to summarize, from the perspective of sleep scientists and clinicians, there are several key components to sleep health. These include duration, timing, regularity, sleep disorders, and quality of sleep. Many of these have objective metrics or validated scales to track, 
So we can measure an individual's or a group's sleep health and see how it changes over time or after an intervention. But this group out of France took another approach to measuring what really matters in sleep health. Recently published in the journal Sleep Epidemiology in December of 2021, the researchers analyzed the completely subjective sleep complaints of nearly 36,000 respondents who were concerned about their sleep. The authors then evaluated how each and every one of these 39 different sleep issues is related to tease out the strength of that relationship and the direction, as well as determine what, if any, sleep issues are the most central, the most linked with all others. And while the shortlist doesn't line up exactly with the National Sleep Foundations or the American Academy of Sleep Medicine's conceptualizations of sleep health, it provides a unique patient perspective on the issue and highlights the core of what we can focus on to improve someone's own self-assessment of their sleep health. These central components of sleep health in this network analysis included excessive daytime sleepiness, non-restorative sleep, circadian irregularity, and chronic sleep deprivation. Chronic sleep deprivation is all about duration and influenced by timing and regularity. Circadian irregularity is all about sleep schedule regularity as well as timing. And both non-restorative sleep and its consequence of excessive daytime sleepiness are frequently the result of problems of sleep quality and sleep disorders. So there really isn't much disagreement at all between the AASM sleep health metrics of duration, timing, regularity, sleep disorders, and sleep quality compared to the patient's central concerns of excessive daytime sleepiness, non-restorative sleep, circadian irregularity, and chronic sleep deprivation. But to address these complaints of these sleepers means focusing back on the core principles of sleep health. To address chronic sleep deprivation requires providing oneself adequate opportunity to get the appropriate duration of sleep. For adults, that's about 7-9 to nine hours in bed, and increasingly longer the younger one is. To address circadian irregularity requires maintaining a consistent wake-up time each and every day. That means explicitly not sleeping in on days off or weekends. Emphasizing this timing, getting up at the same time every morning and exposing yourself to bright light and not napping across the day, means that you'll find yourself ready for sleep around the same time each and every night, within a short window of time. Now for those with truly disturbed circadian misalignment, this may require the help of an expert to guide one through, as an example discussed in episode 58. And to address non-restorative sleep and excessive daytime sleepiness requires an assessment and ultimately the improvement of sleep quality, which usually comes in the form of adhering to the basic sleep hygiene tips and treating any and all sleep disorders that may be present. If you haven't already, go check out wellrestedmd.com day, where you can get a special download, a totally free cheat sheet. In this day of the life of the well-rested download, you'll find examples and timing of several morning and evening routines, the evidence-based best practices for wakeful days and restful nights. So head over to wellrestedmd.com day to see these best practices in action. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Leave a review and head over to wellrestedmd.com for more information, including the option to sign up for email updates. Thanks for listening.